It's the Happy Families Podcast, the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. I'm Dr. Justin Coulson, and I'm joined by Luke and Susie. Uh, they've got three young boys. I've got six uh, youngish through to oldish girls. Uh, and in this conversation, I had a chat with Luke and Susie about big mood swings. Coulson, always great to chat to you. And Carolyn wants to talk to you too. She sent through a question asking about teenage mood. Literally the words are just teenage mood swings and how to deal with depression in your child. And this is kind of the year where I think if if our children (laughs) are struggling mentally and emotionally, it's going to show up this year, right? Probably. I I read the funniest meme that I've seen in ages around the coronavirus uh, just recently. It said something like, uh, biggest waste of money ever, my 2020 planner. (laughs) <laughs> so true. <laughs> Throw that in the rubbish bin. But the problem is, uh, you know, when you've got a, a a teenage girl, or when you've got a child, or a partner, husband, wife, spouse, whoever it is in your life that matters to you, uh, when they're feeling lousy, what tends to happen is their moods can seesaw. Regulation of emotions is a really big challenge, and when stress and duress are increased, that regulation of emotions becomes even more challenging. Is it just just a uh, life experience to know how to regulate the emotion or is there something sort of physical or more chemical into what's causing the mood swings? It's both. So there is a developmental trajectory of emotional regulation. Researchers have found this for years and years and years. We know if, I mean, anyone who's been a parent for more than five minutes knows that a brand new baby has zero emotional regulation. They just don't have it. And that's because the brain develops from the bottom to the top, that is from the brain stem up through the cerebellum, all the way through that limbic system and all the way to the very top where the cortex is. But it also at the same time is developing from bottom to top. I mean, you know, that, that brain stem uh, cerebellum, that's all about respiration and balance and keeping the heart beating and making us breathe, all, all that kind of thing. It also goes from back to front. So at the back, we've got what we call our occipital lobes. That's where our eyes get all their information and and processing and all that thing for our sight as we move towards the front. So right in the middle of the brain, something that starts to develop as our children grow. You know, by the time they're two, we call it the terrible twos for a reason. They're big, they're mobile, they're starting to use their words but not when they're becoming emotional because the emotional brain is just starting to really kick in. And it's not until maybe four or five that they start to get a bit better at it. And usually by about the age of eight or nine, developmental psychologists will say, well, the kids have now got a reasonable grasp on what we call emotional regulation. My favorite example of this, by the way, is uh, Walter Michel, a very, very, very famous psychologist, did this study with marshmallows. You might have heard of it. Yes. The marshmallow, the marshmallow experiment. challenge. Yeah, that, yep. That's it. So, uh, for those who are not familiar with it, uh, Walter Michelle brings a child into the lab, usually around about the age of four, maybe five or six at the oldest, puts a marshmallow on the plate in front of them and says, I've got this for you. Oh, but by the way, I've just got to pop out of the office. I'll be back in a minute. In fact, I'll be a few minutes. If that marshmallow is still there and you haven't eaten it, when I come back, I'll give you two instead of just the one. And then he walks out. I mean, this is a classic self-regulation, how much willpower do you really have kind of experiment. And his research shows that people who are able to regulate their emotions better, children, go on to lead more successful lives. And that kind of makes sense, right? If you can't regulate your emotions, you can't sit in class, you can't study, you can't learn. If you can't regulate your emotions, somebody says or does something that you don't like and you lash out, you say horrible things to them. You can't keep a job, you're going to become a criminal, you'll end up in jail, you'll take drugs, all those kinds of things, worst case scenario because of a lack of regulation. 
And if you're struggling to regulate your emotion, watch those videos because that will make you laugh uh, because they're amazing. <laughs> they're so much fun. And you see these kids doing their best to not eat the marshmallow and they're just having the tiniest nibble or they're, they're turning the back on and saying, I'm not going, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, mm. or they're poking them. That's, that's some of my <laughs> down on the desk and then poking the, the marshmallow. We move up into the teenage years then. Yeah. Our brain is still developing. Yep. We have the added addition of, of knowledge that's coming in and maybe to an extent and understanding that we know more than we actually do at that point. I knew everything when I was a teenager. Yeah. I know way less now. And there's these strong mood swings, hormones are raging, and then there's the pressures of society and we are seeing a large number of anxiety, depression and stress showing up in our teenagers. So what what do we do as parents to try and help and support and create as much stability through that time. Yeah, so this is where it gets really interesting because by around about the age of eight or nine, our kids should be able to have a reasonable grasp on their emotional regulation. Having said that, I know plenty of adults that still struggle with this, right? So, But in their teen years, we talk all about how their brain isn't fully developed it actually is overdeveloped. The prefrontal cortex, which is in charge of planning, has too many neurons. And as a result, it has to go through what we call a synaptic pruning process to get rid of brain cells so that it can become more efficient. Because the prefrontal cortex is not efficient, that emotional brain, it's revved up red hot and ready to go. And that's clashing with this other adolescent developmental necessity. And that is that they're supposed to start to separate from us as their parents and be who they are. Now, something like a coronavirus uh, pandemic where people are in isolation or they're being locked down or families are being forced back together is terribly hard for kids once they're in adolescence because they're now under our umbrella again, but they don't want to be. And so this just inflames it. It makes it even harder. The great challenge for us, therefore, is to be able to work with their emotional mood swings and help them to stay regulated. So I can give you a bunch of tips about how we can do that. That might be helpful. That would be fantastic. I just think that that context is really important, though, that developmental context, uh, because when we understand that all of this is happening to our children and they can't do anything about it, I mean, that's what Luke's initial question was. Is, is this physiological? Is it psychological? Is it social? What's going on? Well, the answer is yes, it's all of that. So as a parent, if I've got a child who's having a really big mood swing, rule number one is that I've got to keep it together myself. Oh, that's just back on okay, us. Then. So how do we do that bit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you, you know, emotions are contagious. So there's speculation. Researchers aren't quite sure, but some people think that there's these neurons in our brain that we call them mirror neurons because they pick up on what's happening socially around us and we calibrate ourselves to the emotional mood of another person. So if somebody comes roaring into the living room saying, I hate you all, it's not fair, what are you doing to me? We automatically, our mirror neurons go, red alert, and we come back and say, what do you mean? What's going on? And we actually match their energy. We might not match their exact emotion, but it's fair to say that the emotional energy of another person is very, very easily caught. So what do we do, Susie? When this happens, we do this thing that I talk about all the time. We get curious, not furious. We understand, not reprimand. We explore, we don't explode. And the best way to do that is to reflect to our child what we're seeing. You seem really upset. You seem to be really struggling. You seem to be really challenged. You seem to be really down. You seem to be really frustrated. It's that simple. You say, you seem to be, and then insert the emotion that is your very best guess. If you're wrong, they'll say, no, I am not. And you'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. I misread that. What, what is it that you're feeling? So so that's kind of what we're doing. That's step one. Keep it together. Step two, give their emotion a name. 
And step three, I mean, there's a lot more that we could talk about, but I think step three uh, to, to sort of move towards a conclusion here is that as we reflect their emotion, we simply say, well, that must be really tough. How can I help? Now, it won't always work that way, but if we can be moving towards that point that we just want to listen and then offer to help and take our time getting to the helping bit, make sure that they feel safe, comfortable and, and heard before we get to the how can I help bit, that's where we overcome things like the mood swings. And that's where we can kind of get into this conversation where a child might be feeling depressed and we can say, you seem to be really flat lately, you seem to be really struggling. What can I do to help? And I might say, nothing. You say, all right, well, I'm here if you need somebody to listen. And maybe that's enough just to get things going. There's a conversation Susie and I had recently, not around teenagers, but around dealing with people. And my point was that, that often everyone wants to correct bad behavior by making sure they know that their behavior was bad. Right. Sometimes like the, the desire is to be safe and heard, right? What you were saying before. And, and that rather than having to point out everything they've made a mistake on to, to actually go, well, how do I defuse this by going, let me acknowledge where you're at. And let me say that it's okay. Cause we're going to, we're going to move in a different direction. We don't have to escalate it. We don't have to, to mirror it. Being in a rush to fix things seems to create some really big challenges. Uh, every now and again, you see in the media, people, often police, end up in the media because there's this rush to respond and stamp out a problem. Now, I'm not making a commentary on the police because I can't imagine how stressful that job must be. But I do know that if a child in my home responded to me the way some people in public respond to the police my response to my child in my home would have to be different. My response to my child would have to be, you seem to be really upset. You seem to be really struggling. And, and, and I want to understand what's going on for you so that we can move towards a positive conclusion, a, a positive outcome for you. That seems to be a better way forward. And if you've got a child who's having these big mood swings, we call this uh, emotion coaching. That's what John Gottman, the great marriage and family researcher, uh, has called it. And, and there's all sorts of different ways that we can do it. There's a handful of different models, but essentially they all converge around this same thing. When somebody's having an emotion, you don't try to stop the emotion. That's kind of like a train going through a tunnel and rather than waiting for the train to come out the other end of the tunnel, you're going to dig through the middle of the tunnel and rip the train out through the top. If, yeah. if we just let the train ride its way through the tunnel, it will come back out into the daylight and the sun will shine again and everything will be okay. Beautiful. I love that picture. Dr. Justin Coulson, you're bringing the wisdom from happyfamilies.com.au. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. If you've enjoyed the Happy Families podcast or found it helpful, I'd be so grateful if you would do what more and more people are doing. I'm so appreciative that people are doing this. Can you go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review? When you do that, it helps other people find the podcast, have happier families. Uh, there's been a bunch come through just recently that I'm most grateful for. KK001 said, great stuff. I'm giving you a five-star review. They said, I've attended your seminar in person previously, thoroughly enjoyed it. Now that I can hear your wisdoms via the podcast, it's very valuable. Thank you and keep it up. And Von Bear 1234 also gave me a five-star review and said, these podcasts are just what I need. Easy to understand, simple steps, and well said, even when you need to look at yourself and readjust how you might be parenting. Thanks for your encouragement and words of wisdom. Well, thank you, Von Bear 1234 and KK001 for your five-star reviews. They mean a lot, and like I said, it helps other people to find the podcast. Thank you for doing that. 
If you'd like more information on how I can help your family to flourish, particularly if you would like to have me, a parenting expert, literally guiding you on a day-to-day, week-to-week kind of basis for as little as $2.50 per week. I mean, it's cheap as... It's cheaper than a coffee. It's cheap as chips. It's probably cheaper than chips. Uh, You can get more information about that monthly support via the amazing Happy Families memberships. Happyfamilies.com.au is where you find all the info. And we appreciate so much that that Happy Families family keeps on getting bigger. So thank you for being a part of it if you already are. And if you're not, please check it out. I'm sure you'll get loads of great info. And if you'd like more information about what we do, visit my uh, Facebook page, Dr. Justin Coulson's Happy Families.